You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7. On today's show, we'll talk about we've had a spring training game. Uh, We'll look at the box, because I didn't watch it. I already let everyone know I'm not going to watch spring training. I have never watched spring training. I don't gain a whole lot from spring training. I think all it is is this opportunity to to overthink. That is where spring training is. This team, like I said, I'm betting that 24 spots are already known or already figured out. Uh, We'll talk about some quotes that came out. Like I said, we'll look into the box. Talk about some local college stuff. We had a bit of a historical moment and uh just see where the show takes us from there it's this is our first march 1st show so we are back to five days a week we are also in a new format so i'm just going to be upfront with everyone about the way this is going to work we are moving to three segments there's a good and a bad if you are a listener i'm a listener of podcasts so i can understand and just be honest with everyone we know what the good and bad are the good is this means there's never going to be another 18-minute show. They're always going to be at least 22 minutes in length uh, in terms of just me speaking. That's that's the way to go. It takes it up to 30. It, uh, you know, From my perspective, it is a little more work. It's a little more to figure out. But for the listener, it does mean more content. It also means we are moving to two ad breaks in the middle of the show. Just to be upfront with the listener at a time, I know no one likes ad breaks. Like No one goes, that's my favorite part of the show, because if that's your favorite part, I'm doing a really poor job. So just in case you're listening, you know this is going to occur. This is what's going to happen. The, just to change the format, there will be the ad at the start, at the end, two in the middle. The reason for this is we have more people who want to advertise with us. It's a good thing. Uh, it helps the revenue on the show. It helps keep someone like myself. Uh, I'm approaching episode 500. I'd be a liar if I said there wasn't a little bit of burnout when you're doing this five days a week for 10 months a year. Uh, that's also why I've had, I have had some applicants to come on and kind of be a co-host and maybe take on a few more duties. I got to dig into those now that it is March. I said I was going to kind of keep the window open until March and then start trying to figure that all out. So that'll help as well. But Honestly, it's one of those things, you know, advertisements, no one loves them in their shows, but they help immensely. If I, for instance, was making what I made in the first year on the show, which was on average like 32 bucks a month, I wouldn't be doing this anymore. This show would not be continuing. Uh, I just, I would not be doing it. I mean, my first year here, that's, that's was what I was making per month uh, during COVID, like the height of it last year. That's what I was getting per month. That is not going to keep anyone in this format. Uh, so it's helpful. I, I, I understand if it's annoying to you that we're going to add another ad break, but we are adding more content and understand that like all of that helps keep someone like me here. It's what's going to help keep other hosts as well if you listen to other shows on the network. And it's it's not the most intensive thing in general to host a 30-minute podcast. But when you're doing it every day... It does become intensive, and it means that's a chunk of your day, five days a week, because we're. it's not like I'm recording these three in a row on a Sunday, put them in a can and move on, uh, especially when we're in season. It's I have to respond to the games. I have to respond to breaking news and transactions. All of that needs to be put in place and done, and that means it has to be something that is immediate and in response to things. So 
yeah, long and short of it is, sorry for more ads, but hey, we're going to have more uh, information, more opportunities for information, and honestly, with some of the partnerships, more opportunities just for interviews and the like. So, and, you know, I'll, I'll keep a few things in the best things we're hoping to occur uh, over the next few months with the show. But everything is trying to expand and grow. Even the additional host is someone who can jump in and help me with social media and some of the other aspects that I am lacking on. So we're trying to expand and we're trying to move into the top 10. So remember, download daily, tell a friend, all that fun stuff. Let's get us into that top spot. Let's get us past the Tigers and the rest. Uh, should we talk about the minor news? Uh, so we, last Friday, talked about the Harold Ramirez edition, who, long and short of it, is meh. Like, I mean, based on what they had last year, he'd be an improvement. Uh, but if he is a starter in your outfield, that's still not a good thing. So, you know, uh, better than what they had, not as good as what they should but that caused them to designate Jordan Humphreys, who they had earlier claimed from the Giants. Well, the Giants claimed him back. They moved Tyler Beattie to the 60-day disabled list. I talked about kind of the logic of moving Humphreys, where it's like, okay, there's a chance that teams aren't going to have those spots. Well, teams can also now start moving guys around on the 60-man. Uh, two things like the 60-day disabled list, not the 60-man. We had, what, 60-man rosters with camp last year? Was that where that came from? But either way, uh, you know, Humphreys is an interesting arm, and there's reasons why teams keep uh, taking chances on him. He is barely pitched. Uh, back to the Giants, he, it makes a lot of sense, especially if they can just do the roster shuffle to bring him back in. So, yeah, Humphreys, uh, we barely knew you. Some other barely news, you know, we talked about recently, uh, Kirby Yates is one of those we barely knew you uh, in recent years past. So, uh, for his sake, I hope he has a, a, a all-star future career for the Indians sake. You know, I, no, just for his sake, I'm always going to root for players to perform. That's just the way it's going to work. Uh, I'm not going to root for a player to fail to make the Indians look good. That's, that's the wrong approach to take, uh, every single time. So yeah, uh, as we continue on the show, before we head into the first ad break, quick, uh, Joe Rock of Ohio. He is a six foot six lefty, long. Uh, what's the terminology? Levers they often use. Now it, it is funny to hear, you know, the, some of the things about how he was dealing and was one of the tweets from Ohio baseball. He pitched no hitter, seven inning no hitter. I feel like it's kind of early in the season for a no hitter. They had a doubleheader, so he pitched the first game. It was only seven innings. 89 pitches to get there. So again, that's not too many for a guy coming out there. I had mentioned him in passing last week. He struck out 12 against Radford, but there were still the walk issues. Uh, He faced one over the minimum. Game finished on a double play. Two walks, six strikeouts. And he's just, he's a name to watch. Between Albright, Bachman, uh, him, I'm blanking on the arm at, at, uh, at Ball State. If you got a chance, like I can see there are fans at this game here. I'm like, and they are all wrapped up. I'm like, where was Ohio playing? Were they playing somewhere in Ohio? That's like never happens. Uh, Let's see, because they faced Ohio or they faced Moorhead State. So, yeah, they, uh, and you know, again, not the highest level of competition, but still a no hitter by a a college arm is something to watch. And it was a home game. The, The unusual 
February home game uh, in Ohio. Those just don't happen. I'm kind of surprised to just see that it did happen at good old Ohio University. But uh, Joe Rock, name to know. This is going to probably be one of the best years the Mac has ever seen. So, you know, we talked about how much that is what I do back as a writer. I was a draft writer first and foremost. So if you are someone in Ohio and you are jonesing for baseball, check out and see, you know, all those stadiums are outdoors, mask up, see what the uh, the attendance availability is. Go check out a Mac game. Uh, Friday Night Mac is going to be well worth your time this year. There are a lot of good arms, a lot of good prospects. Go check out the Mac. Our first sponsor to mention, betonline.ag. While football is over and done, we are officially in basketball season, hockey season, and the beginning of baseball season. BetOnline even covers awards, TV, and reality shows. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all your news, scores, and odds. It's the best place. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Remember to use the promo code Locked On to get that 50% welcome bonus. And while I have you, I want to talk about Locked On today. One of the newest podcasts on the show, one of the uh, top podcasts on the show. It is all the news that you need to know. That's happening in the league, hosted by Peter Bukowski in under 20 minutes. Subscribed to Lock On, Locked On today. So we had uh, an Indians pitching sighting, right? We had them go out and pitch, uh, or pitch. They hit too. They did everything. We had players play. Let's just put it that way. Uh, some interesting things in this one. I thought it was also interesting that Brian Shaw was told to not worry about spring training numbers. Tom Hamilton talked about that on the show that uh, I want to see about the exact quote here. Uh, Terry Francona told Brian Shaw not to worry about his spring training numbers. I'm, I am pretty sure, and I projected this on the pitching show last week, that you will see Brian Shaw on this team. Uh, he was not set to come to Cleveland until Francona talked to him. I feel like Francona likely said that he would be a lock to make the team. And he has always been terrible in spring training. Like, that is something he is awful at. So you could say to him, like, don't worry about spring training because you're trying to take the pressure off. But if you are evaluating him, you I don't know what you can take out of spring training because the fact is that that's, for whatever reason, just it takes him a while to get ready to go. I think he makes this team. I mean, that's just the honest-to-goodness truth. He picked up the win today, I believe. So should we go through? We, I mean, we have so many names. Uh, Quantrell went two innings. Then you have McKenzie, who gave up a run, got a blown save in an inning and two-thirds. Dowdy for, finished it up. Then you had Karen Chalk to Shaw, who got the win. Heath Hembry with the hold. Then Sam Henkes, who I talked about, how I think we could see him in the pen before the year is done, picks up the save in this one. Uh, it, it Again, it doesn't mean anything that he got the save. They were just getting some arms out there. But uh, it's, from my perspective, I just like seeing it because I'm like, I think that is, it's the best way to go with him. I'm just not 100% uh, sold on the profile. He's still kind of more of a two-pitch guy. And again, you can go listen to my pitching projection podcast from last week to hear more on why I think that is. On the other side for the Reds, I mean, it was, 
it was a pitching staff of guys who I don't know if any of them really have high chances of making the Reds. They did not have their top pitching in in this one. They had most of their lineup in place the way, like the at least for like the top five, the way I think we'll see it this year for the Reds. Uh, shortstop, maybe not. Maybe not Farmer, who's in the one spot. But we're not here to talk about the Reds. Let's talk about the Indians. So, interesting lineup. Can we just be honest there? Uh, if you missed it, Mercado in center field led off. Ben Gamel in left field. Jake Bowers at first. Mike Freeman at third. Yuchen Chang at second. Billy Hamilton at DH. Andres Jimenez at shortstop. Austin Hedges at catcher. Ernie Clement in right field. So, right away, as you're going through this, Billy Hamilton is a DH. Like, that is... Ooh, like that, the, that's comical, right? Like Hamilton is one of the five worst hitters in baseball. So having him DH is to put him in a position to negate all of his value. Uh, again, it's the early season and these things don't mean much, but it's more just the, the humor of the idea of Billy Hamilton DH uh, that amused me in this one. And he got pitched hit for by Owen Miller, who again is not a DH. He's a utility player. Uh, that is not where he's going to excel. So that was, again kind of humorous for me uh multi-hit game for Jimenez and uh Gabriel Arias so the two big trade assets they got recently both came and performed I thought it was interesting that they had uh Ty Freeman go in at short and Arias go in at second base I think those two long-term flip positions Arias is definitely the better defender at short Freeman has some limitations there I mean this was a chance to see a lot of that youth other players who made it in, uh, Alex Call came in at center field, Steve Kwan in left, Connor Maribel at first, Nolan Jones at third, we already talked about Arias, Miller, and Freeman, Bo Naylor, and Gavin Collins both came in at catcher, and Will Benson came in in right field. Uh, I mean, you're not going to have a, a big reaction. Like, I know there's people out there, oh, Nolan Jones, 2Ks, I can already hear, uh, I can already hear that out there. Like, I already know that people are just waiting and eager to pounce on, you know, he's going to have a lot of strikeouts. Uh, you know, going through the lineup, Clement in right field was was probably the first thing that I actually noticed. I was like, really, of all their options, you're going to put him in right, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know if he'd ever played right field in the minors. Um, but, hey, it's uh, an interesting alignment for sure. A lot of guys getting some opportunities. Uh, not... I mean, most whereas you know the Reds have Vado, Castellanos, Eugenio Suarez, uh, Mustakis all playing. I mean, the Indians conceivably didn't have one starter in this game. I mean, very conceivably, they didn't have one offensive starter in this game. Who's the most likely guy to be an offensive starter for them at the start of the year here? Uh, Mercado. Jimenez is is going to start the year in AAA. We know that. Where else, you know, we'd say okay, he gives you a second. I mean, Gamble and Bowers have are, are both basically fighting for the same job, and that's to be a platoon partner. So, yeah, it, offensively, this was uh, an interesting alignment for the Cleveland Indians. Even when they switched and you know brought in the second half, it was all backups, AAA types. Uh, I can't even say AAA types. I mean. Will Benson has never even been to uh, to Double A yet. Neither is Bo Naylor or Ty Freeman or Gabriel Arias. It was a lot of guys, or uh, Steve Kwan. I mean, they have a lot of guys who haven't uh, even been in the upper minors who came into play in this one. 
Pitching-wise, it was interesting because for the Indians, I mean, these are all names to know. Like, Kyle Dowdy has an uphill hill to climb, but the rest of this group, I mean, and Henkis isn't going to make the team. Like, it would take a spectacular spring. But for the rest of them, you know, these are guys who all stand a good chance of making the Indians with the Reds. Their pitching staff was very suspect uh, in this one in general. You know, if you enjoy spring training, I don't want to crap on your parade. It's not my thing. Um, I, I, you know, nothing against anyone who likes it. Uh, just watch it knowing that uh, it's, it, it doesn't mean much, right? Just watch it knowing that uh, there's not a whole lot you can take away from it. I know when I went to look at the highlights out of curiosity, it was just Kyle Farmer's double. I was like, come on, we don't get him and as his triple on this one. Uh, anything like that? No, you just get that. So, you know, some baseball, even baseball that is a high percentage of players who've never been in double A who came in as backups and a high percentage of players who are not going to make this team in general. It's still nice to have baseball back in every form or in any form, I should say. So if you uh, took it in and you enjoyed it, I am glad you did. For me, I'll be looking at boxes and highlights, and I'm just, you know, I want to be honest and uh, forward about that. I don't want anyone out there thinking that I am watching these games with a deep analytical mind. I am not. Uh, if I do catch a game here or there, it's just to see more to see moments. It's to see, you know, it, watch Jimenez, who I haven't studied in depth because he wasn't an Indian, or a chance to see Arias, who I really have not seen at all. So it's more tuning in for specific players than for the whole thing. So our next sponsor is Built Bar. I recently uh, placed an order in for their cookie dough bars that uh, just came back in. They might already be sold out. I can't remember what. I, I, I got a box of those, and then I did like a, a three-flavor box that involved that. And then I'm trying to remember what my other two flavors were. I did get the broth to try, and I got some more boosts because that's what I've been using every day at school. And it's again, it's a product I use, I love, I order from. The promo code now has changed to locked on twenty. Uh, I must have been able to get under the line using the old one. But if you're going to go to builtbar.com, use that promo code locked on twenty. I use not only do I buy this product, I always use the promo code because it's the best deal you're going to find. I love Built Bar. I think it's delicious. I'm very excited to try the new the new broth. Uh, I've, I've got a, everything coming in this order. I've got broth. I've got Boost. I've got the bars themselves. They are always doing fun seasonal flavors, so keep your eye open. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON20. And remember to check out the Locked On MLB podcast with Sully. He has a lot of great guests, a lot of great information, a really great dude. Checked out Locked On MLB today. Let's uh, let's go for some third segment history. Let's dive into this day in history. Let's look at March. Oh, that's interesting. It took me to March 10th. I was looking at it like, wait a second. It is not March 10th, so that is not going to be correct information as I <laughs> went to do it. So we are not going to talk about a Lou Pinella trade. We are not going to talk about Johnny Peralta signing an extremely team-friendly uh, contract to buy out arbitration years. None of those things have uh, have occurred yet. Because those would occur on the 10th. So I did a whole show last year around this time on what occurred on March 2nd. Uh, you can dig it out. Uh, there's not too much to add to it because it's a piece of history from 1966. But it is on March 2nd of 1966 is when the lotto happens for Tom Seaver. And it's 
kind of one of the more fascinating things because the Indians had a one in six chance of getting Tom Seaver, which when you look at where they were back then, that might have been a chance for them to have actually found success in the 60s because they had pitching and then you had even more pitching. Now, the downside is when they did have pitching, you know, they traded Sonny Siebert for uh, Hawk Harrelson and that was uh, another disaster. And some of their other moves, uh, they had pitching, could not find bats to save their lives. Uh, and then the other interesting uh, factor on a March 2nd, so, you know, the Tom Seaver thing, like I said, you can look at basically probably March 2nd of 2020 I was when I did the podcast on Seaver, if not right around there. And I, I covered the whole, that was the entire episode. So you can find that one in depth if you dig into the history a bit. And in 1995, on the 2nd of March, the Indians and Reds make the first ever trade of replacement players. Barbo Garby and four others go to the Reds in return for future considerations. I don't remember that. <laughs> I didn't remember that they had replacement players. I mean, I was in like seventh grade when that lockout happened. But yeah, I I don't really have a lot of, of memories between like the lockout and things starting other than like everyone was mad. It was an unhappy time. That that was basically my takeaway as a fan. You know, and I'm not surprised that we don't have a ton of history around this time. I, I thought I was all set when I opened it up, as I mentioned, but for some reason it took me to March 10th. Uh, it is funny as you go between like the 2nd and 10th, there's literally like nothing in here because this is the, the time that's boring, right? Not a lot happens during spring training. They kind of get a chance to look at the team. Closer to the end of spring training, you get something like the Dave Burba deal, things like that, but this is a lot of points in the year where teams are just reporting to camp and getting together and realizing, oh no, we have a bigger need. And that's when you see the trade closer to the end. You don't see as much now. You don't see as much kind of early in the spring training process. But let's let's have fun with it. Let's, let's try and see if there are any possible uh, movement trades that could make sense. And there's a name that recently came up as I was reading over at The Athletic. I'm trying to remember who, I think it was maybe Ken Rosenthal, talking that Mike Talkman with the Yankees could be without a spot. The Yankees just gave uh, Brett Gardner $4 million. Clint Frazier is projected to be a starter in their outfield. Talkman in 2019 had a .128 uh, WRC+, plus, played a above-average defense, can play all three spots, good walk rate numbers. His bat pip was very high that year let's be honest the 128 is not something we anyone would expect again and it was only 87 games 296 plate appearances and then he was not good in 2020 but you kind of throw 2020 out the window in general uh the thing with Talkman, whose name i'm probably butchering let's be honest is he's got a he can play three outfield spots and b he's got four years of team control and there has been positive production now he is 30 so you're essentially getting him through all of his useful years. He was one of those guys who took a while to get to the majors. Uh, the Yankees have talked to him about playing first, and he's like, okay, I can do that. The other nice thing is he's a lefty, which could make him another potential ideal caddy in some of these platoons with someone like Naylor or with um, Luplo. What would it all look like? I was kind of curious looking at some Yankees blogs earlier in the day, and it was mostly back-end pitching prospects, uh, ceiling types. 
someone who might have a little bit more uh, upside or ceiling looking at the Indian system. You know, I I do wonder if the Yankees in general would want pitching depth. Uh, I, I never know. Of course, the problem for the Indians is adding anyone is manipulating the 40-man. So, I mean, what about Juan Carlos Mejia? I, I'm not... I, now, I'll be honest. I am not the biggest... I have nothing against him. It's just not a profile that uh, I get too interested in. But if you did some kind of one-for-one trade there, Yankees get an interesting high you know, high ceiling arm. Someone the Indians have liked enough to keep on their 40-man. The Indians get a perfect fourth outfielder, like uh, between... Gamble and Hamilton or, T- or Talkman. I mean, who would you rather have? I know for me, it's a rather easy choice. And then, you know, they this way it doesn't affect your 40 man situation. Now, the one downside is could could this block a Daniel Johnson? Absolutely. Like that's that's the one area where I get kind of concerned because you are. I mean, at some point, it'd be nice to actually see what some of these young players can do uh, instead of just. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to call him a Talkman, a, a retread, but it is half of one good season on a player who's 30 years old. So it, it's a pre-tread. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know how I'd label it. Went over to Baseball Savant to kind of see. Sprint speed, 59th percentile this year. Outs above average, 69th, which kind of lines up. Uh, outfield, outs above average in 2019, 95. Outfielder jump, 78. Sprint speed, 72. Sprint speed in 2018, 90th. So, like, I mean, the guy can run well. He is a much better version of anything Billy Hamilton can do. So if you could trade a Juan Carlos Mejia, I'm willing to to take that gamble that last year was, you know, that 2019 was too good and last year was too bad. He's going to be something in the middle. He might be a league average player because unlike Harold Ramirez, who we talked about, Talkman brings another skill. He walks. He has a, another way to get on base. Uh, yeah, he's fast. He's also a good defender, which Ramirez is not. So when you're looking at someone like this, it's like, if you're like, well, isn't he similar to Ramirez and Ramirez is younger? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, to a degree, but not really. Uh, because, again, this is someone who walks, someone who plays excellent defense, uh, someone who has more pop. Now, he doesn't have a ton, but he ha- would have more pop. And that's, again, if he is a guy who's going to get squeezed out, and the Yankees have had a an outfield situation we knew someone was going to get squeezed out, uh, I would love to see them talk because I still... I'm still not sold on this outfield. And even though I've had my lineup projection talked about, you know, the midseason value of a Nolan Jones slotting him in as a platoon partner. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. I, I probably say that too much on this podcast. If you go out and you get Mike Talkman, he should just be your center fielder. Uh, you know, you can try Mercado. In a, I, I'm, again, this is my bias. I'm not sold on Mercado in general. But I, I think you could let him compete, and then you could see. And if Mercado goes down to AAA and performs well, and Talkman scuffles, then you can absolutely, after two to three months, uh, switch it around. But if this is a guy that, like I said, looking... I mean, Yankees blogs typically shoot the moon when they are asking for players. Uh, you know, it's always a top five prospect, if not a top a guy who's a top 100 and all of baseball prospect. 
Here's a player who you have four years of control of, who, if nothing else, gives you speed and defense and a high walk rate. And Yankees blogs are being pretty measured in their ask. So, again, Juan Carlos Mejia, Mike Talkman, straight up. Should I go check the trade machine, see what the uh, the final thought is? Trade machine does, uh, does not agree, as it gives me a 0.4 versus a 4.2 for Talkman. Uh, out of cur- out of, if you're curious out there about this deal further, uh, Joey Cantillo it has it a 4.3. Again, I think the Indians value him a lot more than that. Uh, Bobby Bradley at a 4 even, a 3.8 for Ernie Clement, uh, 3.6 for Logan Allen. Here might be the interesting one. Sam Henkes, 3.5. He has all the things that could get uh, a team excited and interested with the Yankees potentially needing extra starter depth. Uh, that could be something that could work. Now, I think that he actually would be higher value at this point due to his size, being left-handed, and the years of team control. So I don't know if you could get a lesser prospect back, but I think that might be more in line with the framework of a possible deal. What do you think about the new format? Uh, what do you think about the show in general? Hit me up with questions, comments, things I can use for a mailbag, uh, especially as we are going longer now on the show. I'm going to need the ability to fill out more content when we are in this uh, preseason part of the year. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Indians podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And for the next year, at least, go Tribe.